to The Coaching Podcast, Coach for Success in Sport and Business. Today on The Coaching Podcast, Emma catches up with Michelle Giuliano, who together with Denise Nickerson runs Salt Consulting. Emma and Michelle first met in Switzerland when they both spoke at the Festival of Doers Conference. Michelle is an innovator. She is an award-winning entrepreneur She's a business development and strategy consultant, a coach, and a sports enthusiast. Michelle prefers to lead teams from within and is a catalyst in the creation of high-performance culture wherever she works. Energy, enthusiasm, and creativity fuel her rapid assessment of opportunities, resources, and solutions to bring teams and companies into practical, actionable alignment with their vision. Skills from endurance sport inform her coaching practice. She collaborates with executive clients on guidelines, attitudes and habits that make measurable differences in streamlining the path to excellence. Have a listen. Hello and welcome to the Coaching Podcast. I'm Emma Doyle here with Michelle Giuliano. So Michelle, the Vegemite question is first up. You either love it or you hate it or you haven't tried it. Am I going to have to get you some? What's your answer? <laughs> I am not a fan of Vegemite and of course I've tried it. I'm an Italian-American. I try and eat everything. <laughs> nice. But nice. I'm not a fan. I'm, I'm sorry, but I really know what it's like to miss a, a vital food when you mm -hmm. move abroad. Mm -hmm. And some of my vital foods are from my Italian-American heritage and you ate once in it's broccoli wrap. I, I love it. I love broccoli wrap. I loved it. I loved it. Thank you for uh, introducing me to that. Uh, it's similar with the bitter taste. Anyway, um, <laughs> because you answered that way, our follow-up question on the podcast is, of course, your coaching moment that didn't go so well. Well, this is an upbeat podcast, but I have a sort of sour story that comes immediately to mind where, you know, I think it's so important that coaches learn how to audit their business, how they take it seriously, what they're doing, what their real capabilities are, what their core competencies are, and to audit your clients mm. and make sure from minute one that either there's synergy or that you really uh, discover that void and you know exactly how you're going to deliver against that ask. Because coaching is really about a process to get from here to there. Mm -hmm. It is not psychology. It is not psychoanalysis. It is it's not mm. a lot of things, but it mm. is getting from here to there and looking at the milestones and the roadmap. So the short story is it. I had four sessions with a particular individual that were contracted. And on the fourth session, I realized I think very late in the game, four is better than not at all, mm. but I realized very late in the game that this individual was extremely depressive. Mm. And male suicide is a real issue globally. When a man loses his job, when he feels his wife doesn't understand him, mm -hmm. when there's real pain and real suffering going on and lack of understanding and isolation at the top, when you're running a company and you're mm -hmm. really alone at the top and you don't know what to do or where to turn. And our societies kind of globally are pretty machismo. So so this guy turned to me and I realized rather late in the game that he was really suicidal and I was in over my head. And mm -hmm. so thankfully, immediately yeah. at that point, I did get him a therapist and it has impacted my business ever since in that now, I, number one, I know the signs and symptoms mm. much earlier and faster. I think that's so important. Mm. And number two, um, I always make sure that there's a, a strategy team around that individual that extends beyond the coach because uh, it helped me 
discern and identify my niche as a high performance business coach. Yeah. And that I don't tackle every issue with an individual, that I team and help them team mm -hmm. for the best strategy and solutions in their lives. Yeah, beautiful lesson. Thank you so much. The next question is the sliding doors question. You know, when your life's heading one way and something happens or someone or whatever it might be, your life ends up turning dramatically left or right. We have many throughout our, our coaching career, but is there one within your coaching life um, that you could share with us? Well, I think I've always followed my passion. And I think in following mm. your passion, you know, you I was a rowing coach. I mm. designed and developed for, for infants, you know, some outdoor sporting goods materials because I didn't want moms and dads to stop their sporting life just because a baby came along. I wanted them to feel free in the mountains. So I think maybe the sliding door moment was when I realized that in order to achieve the success that I wanted, the real impact, mm. either through reach or frankly, monetary returns when you're in business for yourself, that's important too. I, I needed to partner with somebody. And so I've never had more fun in my life than in partnering with Denise Nickerson and Salt Consulting. Together we're co-creators um, and our reach is very far and very wide mm -hmm. from professional coaches. We've coached more than 100 professional and Olympic coaches around the world from 40 nationalities. Um, and we've coached everybody from large multinationals down to individuals. So I think the turning point was finding a partner and realizing that it's no fun mm. to do it alone. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And our third question is, in one to a maximum of three words, what do you think makes a great coach? I love the three word challenge. Uh, it is to be a challenger, to challenge, to excite, and to invite. Oh, I love that invite. I love that. That's brilliant. Thank you. <laughs> That's brilliant. Fantastic. And finally, our last question is what's that one thing that always sparks your curiosity? I like to think about sports coaches and when was the last time they took a look at another sport discipline for a measure of excellence that they can apply to their sport. Mm -hmm. um, or their business. Or their business, yeah, mm -hmm, sure. Mm -hmm. in, in business life, um, we can, so I love lab culture and lab environment. I guess the question would be, when was the last time you made your business um, measurable like your sport performance? Mm -hmm. I feel like it needs a preface though. You know, if you miss the ball and you miss the goal, the feedback is immediate. Mm -hmm. And in professional life and in, in business life, we tend to create feedback loops that are only six months or quarterly, not minute by minute, moment by moment. So mm -hmm. how can you craft uh, a real high performance culture in your business? Mm -hmm. And who can you learn from? They tend to be cross-discipline. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Chocolate can learn from the auto industry. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for being on the show. I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much. I loved it. Emma, what a passionate coach. You could hear it, couldn't you? Unbelievable. You could hear it in her voice, her tone, her energy. It, it really came out. And uh, even that big bellowing laugh in the middle of the interview, I loved it. <laughs> so the Festival of Doers. Hosted by Driven Woman, uh, which is a company in the UK, um, a, a beautiful, fantastic Driven Woman, would you believe, started the organisation a couple of years ago. And I met her in London through a mutual friend and mm. uh, yeah, they, they basically run a series of goals groups all over the world where they meet once a month mm. and it's, it's for women only and they have two festivals a year mm. called the Festival of Doers and it literally is that and Michelle and Denise were two of the keynote speakers that were all about taking action and getting you to really shift 
your energy from where you were to to what you really want. So, uh, and I, I spoke just after them. So that's how we met in Switzerland, in Zurich. Yeah, I could see that you would have a lot in common. I mean, you're a very passionate coach as well. One of the things I really liked about it was the idea of auditing your core competencies, like knowing who you are as a coach and knowing when to bring other people in. Yeah, and how often do we actually do that ourselves? We can get so caught up in the day-to-day business of coaching, but when do we actually really take an audit or maybe even you know, ask five people from different backgrounds who you, who you work with about your core strengths and really getting right into that, that niche of what it is that you do best. And yeah. I, think, I think it's so important that she, she brought that up and not only audit yourself, but audit your client to make sure there's, there's a good synergy there. I really like her definition of coaching. She, she mentioned on the side, she said that coaching is a process and it's from getting here to there. Absolutely. And the reason that I, I really love that definition as well is because of the shift in my own coaching. I remember back in, in chapter one, Damo, when we first met back with, uh, <laughs> with Paco and, and Whedon and, you know, Whedon's definition of coaching, which is, is people management plus teaching. And so much of my chapter one in my coaching world was consumed with teaching and learning systems on how to teach and how can I become the best tennis teacher. And so it wasn't until I made that, that leap of faith into corporate coaching, business coaching, uh, that really the definition of unlocking someone's potential and believing and discovering the answers that live within them is really a, a fantastic definition. And I don't think one is better than the other or one is right or wrong. It's it, regardless of, of the actual definition that you use, coaching what we all have in common is getting from here to there and looking at those as she says milestones or roadblocks Hmm. i also like the idea that um it's not just about you that there's a relationship with your clients that you need to do she she mentions auditing your clients and auditing yourself so knowing knowing what your competencies are but also knowing your client and and i guess being able to make sure that you can deliver deliver on those things Mm, and especially with regards to the strategy that needs to be in place to ensure that there's a team around somebody. Now, even if that's just one individual, if it's a junior a junior player, then obviously they're going to have the team of even the parents and just that important role the parents play, as well as if you're coaching someone in the workplace, making sure that it isn't, it isn't just you as the coach that they're mm. relying on, that people within the team, within mm. that, their environment, um, have the skill set to support the person to get from here to there. As we develop as coaches, I think that we gain maturity. Perhaps in the beginning, we might think that we have to do everything, be able to satisfy all of the needs of the organisation or the uh, client or athlete. However, as we become more mature, more secure in our skill sets, we are able to reach out and to be able to recognise to get the athlete from one place to another place sometimes requires skills outside our skill set. Yeah, which sometimes, of course, again, if we go back to auditing yourself, it's also knowing when to let go. Yes. Or potentially knowing when you don't have the skill set to get this person to the next level. Well, who does? And making sure who within your network um, that you might be able to pass, you know, pass them on to or, you know, referrals or recommendations because... I mean, that's how, you know, that's such an important part of the, of the relationship and nurturing the real reason why we coach, which is obviously to bring out the best in that person and wanting the best for, 
for mm. the individual that we're working with. Yeah. Yeah. There is a couple of times where the word alignment comes up. And I think that that's a really important part of it because I often think about athletes and coaches and the coaching team as being um, like uh, everybody in a, a Viking boat where we all have to row together and pull in the same direction. And so perhaps the head coach with, along with the athlete are the ones who are providing the direction and the other people that come in are helping to get that outcome that everybody's looking for. Mm, I love your analogies. <laughs> brilliant, brilliant. So uh, moving on to the sliding doors question. It's uh, such a great question and she really, obviously, you can see the passion and, and the fact that just following her passion has really been a huge part of many sliding doors moments throughout her career. Mm. But the one, obviously, that jumps out that she really talks about is collaboration. And I've fortunately met Denise Nickerson, her business partner, and what, you know, what a great team and what opposite personalities. So meeting with the two of them, I mean, you know, when you really can feel that uh, the energy combined with the actual, the, the logic and the systems behind it, which Denise is so good at, you can see why collaboration is such a powerful, uh, such a powerful tool that we all you know, need to be reminded of from time to time because I know as coaches, especially when I ran my first business, I was the accountant. I was the, taking the phone calls. <laughs> I was booking the kids in. I, and then I was taking the lessons, then giving the coach education, et cetera, yeah. et cetera, yeah. which I'm sure many coaches can relate to. Yeah. No, I think that um, the collaboration point is, is uh, important. It also keeps you fresh. It gives you confidence in having a, another opinion to bounce off. And the fact that uh, you just mentioned that they are quite different people, they're probably bringing different strengths. And so that can only help. And I, I, I really like a bit of pushback in a coaching relationship. So it gives me confidence to know that if I am making a mistake, that somebody's going to sort of pull me up a little bit and say, have a look at this or have another look at this. And so, especially when I'm looking at assistant coaches and that thing, I look for strong personalities who often don't agree with me. <laughs> and, uh, well, not quite, but you know, that they've got, I, I like to have, I like to have different focuses. So I tend to have, if I'm in the role of the head coach, I tend to have a very wide perspective and a long perspective. And then somebody will have a very immediate perspective and then somebody will have an intermediate perspective. And so, you know, with all of that, we're able to make sure that we keep going. And these guys remind me about, hey, this is important, that's important. If I'm off sort of thinking about plotting our course to the next whatever, then they, they'll, they'll, I have the confidence in them to be able to say, look, we need to, do, we need to uh, put focus on this or that. Mm. And she does mention as well, when you, when you do have a, a, that collaborative business partner, you have an opportunity to really look at the impacts um, that you can have, the, the wider reach, how you can um, focus on that, as well as the importance of the monetary aspect as well. Yeah. You know, not, yeah and I think that's, that's important, something that we, you know, as coaches, we get so consumed with impact and making a difference and the energy that we put into that. Yeah. But obviously we need to sustain that, you know, by, by making a living at the same time. Yeah. So I thought that that was you know, great that she brought that up as well. Yeah, it's clear to me that she's got a, um, if you like, an open perspective, an open sort of outlook and also a um, externally focused outlook as well. So she's looking at what other people are doing 
She's looking at, uh, you know, how to be able to do what she does better by not just mining down into her, her specific field and doing what other people are doing, but better, but she's also looking at what are the best practices in other areas and how do I incorporate, how do I learn from that? Uh, she makes the comment of chocolate uh, learning from the motor industry. Motor industry, yeah. And, um, yeah. She's been uh, involved in endurance sports and things like that. So that, for me, especially is a big thing because most of the um, research, or nearly all of the research in kendo is done on um, in Japanese, which I can't read. So <laughs> I'm always looking uh, for, for, uh, for what's going on in other areas and how that might apply to what I'm doing. Mm. And just knowing the history, actually, of Denise uh, saying yes to the to salt consultancy together, uh, took a while. So it was almost like I believe around one year before they actually, um, before Denise actually said yes, I'll go into partnership um, with Michelle. So there's almost like that audit process and that real homework on a business partner rather than just jumping in, you know, because, oh, we get along really well and you get carried away and then, and then all of a sudden down the track you can find some loopholes or blind spots that you might not have seen before. And Yeah, well, she, she couldn't say you had me at hello. <laughs> <laughs> no, definitely not. Definitely not. I love that. Great move. Yeah. So what makes a great coach? Challenge, what? invite, excite. Yeah. <laughs> what can you say? <laughs> the action words it's pretty good they uh they they just um lift off the page or, or roll off the tongue don't they challenge invite excite and i really feel that i can buy into all of those things because challenge you know it, optimal stress emma optimal stress is what makes you feel alive okay too much will kill you and not enough will just i don't know you become flatline yeah exactly so challenge is a big 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 one and that's also growth challenges growth and then you've got uh, the invite you know come with me on this journey yeah come you, you you can do better you you have this potential inside you and and be able to uh develop that you know it's it, it just <laughs> it just reeks of potential doesn't it invite doesn't what can it? what can we achieve and of course excite you know and that's mm -hmm. that that's getting the power into that into that into that movement so yeah links to the motivation doesn't it Oh yeah, I mean, mm. and, and that's a that's a big thing, you know. What we look at, we look at um, motivate and excite in one particular way, in a sort of a monetary way. And there's by allowing people to be sort of a part of something, or or to be able to buy into something, to give a little bit of themselves. They often find that they get so much more out of it, and mm. it's not always the only motivator. And so this type of approach of challenging the person, inviting them in, give them some control, and then, of course, helping them get excited about it, I think is a what, you know, and what you'll discover, the potential out there in uh, organisations to find out what, what their own resources is incredible. Couldn't agree, couldn't agree more. And uh, if I could just share an experience I had last week, uh, I joined the International Coaching Federation Colorado chapter oh, here to always, you know, increase my network here, but also to continually push myself and my coaching skills. And so we had a, a workshop uh, last week on, uh, it was linked to motivation on how do you really help clients take dedicated action 
towards what they say they're going to do. Uh, and one of the big uh, aha moments for me through working through that, that process was challenge early within a coaching session. Mm. So when you're going to ask those laser questions, mm. or when you're going to challenge someone on like, is that really what the goal of this session is? Or is that really what you want? Mm. Or is that really the truth or just the story yeah. you're telling yourself? Yeah. Those types of really powerful sort of laser questions we call them in, in the business coaching world. Um, really when you, you can challenge early within a coaching session, you're still giving yourself enough of an opportunity then to invite new options so they walk away excited on what they said they're going to do yeah. and you know motivated towards getting better whether that's you know whether that's a challenge for them or not um but i really love that and it just hit home to me so often sometimes we get to the end of the coaching session and then you can tell they're not going to do it because yeah. something's blocking that yeah. and you haven't challenged it early in the session. Yeah. And I think that applies both in business and in sport, a sports sense. Yeah, no, I hundred percent agree. I'm always conscious of how the environment often only sets up one response. So in other mm -hmm. words, you're in say a business thing and you're going, okay, we can do this. Can't we? And some, no one's going to say no. <laughs> it's almost rhetorical questions. And we need to, we need to, to be able to um, go forward, we actually need to understand what are the objections? What are the things that, what do you really think about this? And, and take away the worry of dissension. Mm -hmm. you know, because often that person might have a really good point, but regardless of whether it's true or not, the fact that they think, they think it's a problem, it's going to stop them from impeding. Uh, so <laughs> it's going to stop them from um, uh, going along and it's quite possible that they'll impede the group. So I, I really feel that getting to the truth is a critical situation. What's really happening here mm -hmm. and not just getting the responses like, Oh, well, you said you would, you know, I've done my bit, you know, you really do need to dig deeper and to find out what the true situation is. Mm, which isn't always easy, especially when you, the parents are the paying client or yep. somebody else wants results in a, in a business oh, no. sense. Um, yeah, so that's probably, I think one of the hardest and most rewarding aspects of, of coaching. So absolutely. And, and, you know, the bigger the room, the harder it is for people to be able to stand up and say, I see a problem with this, or I have a problem with this mm -hmm. to be able to actually give you that feedback because for sure, they're going to talk to the other people in the group or the team about it once it's over. And so it's better to be able to understand this, um, situation up front. Mm. So the other thing I really liked was that she spoke about um, the difficulty in sport and um, business where in business we get our feedback six months, 12 months down the track. Yeah, that feedback loop isn't immediate in the business world. We're not always immediate. Mm. And uh, I really, yeah, I re that really resonated um, because that's, that is my world taking sporting concepts, yep. sporting metaphors yep. and, and the research in sport and taking that into the, into the business world. Yeah. So that, that in itself um, is something that I spend a lot of time on with strategies on how to actually help the feedback process. Yeah. Because if it can be done in an empowering way at, at the time when it's needed, then that is so much more effective than actually waiting for that, you know, for that quarterly review 
yeah. your 360 to come around and then you've and then you all of a sudden find out oh i didn't realize any of this stuff i didn't realize this is how my boss thinks this is what my team thinks right um versus that that immediate sort of um feedback i really agree with that because um the other thing is is that you know job satisfaction will often improve where there's flow and immediate feedback is one of the precursors for flow you know when i do this this is this is what happens are you talking about flow state yeah Mm -hmm. yeah so where people are enjoying their work is often where they report the most flow the people who enjoy the job that they're doing often report the most flow state so in this sort of situation you can sort of say well you know if we have more feedback about how things are going, then people will feel more confident. And so when they're more confident, they can start paying attention to other things rather than is this right or wrong. So you Mm. get away from that binary type of situation and you get to a situation where they can pay attention to what is important. Just reminds me of uh, when I was studying to be a high performance tennis coach, our first assignment was to go and research another sport. Right. Uh, So I actually went, and watched um, some elite squash players yep. and just was blown away by the way that they did things, even though it was so technically it was almost quite similar to, to tennis, yep. but that wasn't what it was the, the culture and the attitude of mm. attention to detail mm. from the very first activity that was significantly different to high performance tennis players when they might go through their warm up mm. during that time. Um, is what I've really witnessed. And I love that. I love that lab culture. Uh, also had the opportunity in, in Washington, D.C. recently to interview the, uh, the Washington Redskins head coach, um, Jay Gruden, and asked him a bunch of questions. Uh, so, oh, by the way, of course, I interviewed him for the coaching podcast, I know. So <laughs> that's next week. <laughs> Just by going to... to you know, talk to him about how he handles such different personalities is exactly what a manager goes through in the workplace. Yeah. 90 different personalities and, and putting the right team in place. <laughs> I mean, literally, you know, it's like, what is it? You, you know better than me, the defense team, the offense team, yeah. the specialty teams. And I was like, oh my goodness. I really like that. 90 different personalities and each one can kill you. <laughs> <laughs> and they make it. 50 million times more money than what you do as the coach. That's true. Yeah. That's true. How does that work? You're on four-year contracts and you're on one. So, um, but, uh, but yeah, getting back to, you know, some of her questions um, for us to consider. I love uh, this one here. When, when was the last time you made your business measurable like your sports performance? Mm. Excellent question. And how can you craft a high performance culture in your business and who can you learn from? Mm. Who's doing it well? It's behavioral modeling, isn't it? Yeah, but you know, you can learn from anybody. Um, it's, it's sometimes learning what you don't want. But if you watch and consider, you, you, you'll be able to sort of, uh, a lot of things help you clarify your own values you know, by watching other people and you go, well, okay, they're doing that. That's interesting. And you're looking at what they're doing, but you know, are we looking at why they're doing it and how they're doing it? You can do the same activity with different desired outcomes. We have a, an exercise in Kendo called Kokari Geko. And what that is, is that's basically continuous all out attack where we encourage the, um, 
the athlete to be able to continually attack as fast and as hard and as often as they can within a short period. And it is exhausting. Uh, from the outside, it would be very hard to work out exactly what we're trying to achieve by doing this exercise. It just looks like someone going berserk. But depending upon what light we put on the exercise will also help with the athlete's compliance and, of course, the desired outcome. If we say to the athlete that, uh, you know, the most important thing is that you continue and that you attack as hard as you can, then you're looking to build spirit, mental resilience, toughness, that type of thing. If you say that the speed of the attack is what's important, then maybe the outcome will be related to hand, hand and foot speed. Even though they're doing the same thing, the outcome can be different depending upon what light we shine on it. So when we're looking at practices from other industries or other sports, we also need to think about what else we can import. And that might be um, more about how they train, the intensity at which they train, um, the fact that they've identified something that nobody else has they've looked for uh, another way to get marginal gains all of these things can be can be taken from watching the same activity but with different uh with different effect i was trying to recall a, a mentor of mine once said um a beginning coach runs an activity and experienced coach lives in activity mm, yeah. and in the workplace you know when when people have just learn how to coach they'll often just follow the grow model you know goal reality options way forward whereas an experienced coach yeah. really gives the strategy yeah um, that as a general frame but knows when to ask what question to yeah. unlock that within the person they're coaching and and you know i think starting with the strategies good starting with a framework is a good place to start when you are a beginning coach but it's it's over time yeah knowing how to ask the why questions. Yeah, I agree. And adopting people's standards, successful standards. And, um, you know, you look at what you're doing and then you look at the elites and you go, okay, I've got to be able to start caring about the hundreds or thousandths of a second. It's so beneficial, but just taking what they do into your business. Um, Jamaican bobsled team you know, <laughs> with, with the copying, just copying. Cool the runnings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, thank you so much, Damo, for your time. And thank you so much to Michelle and her passion and her energy. And, and of course, we invite uh, all of our listeners to reflect on Michelle's question and you know, ask yourself, when was the last time that you had a look at another sports discipline as a measure of excellence that can be applied in your own sport or in your own business or in your own life? So thank you. Thanks, Em. And I had the pleasure of chatting with our guest coach today. He is one of my mentors and he is my Yoda coach. His name is Damien Carmody Stevens and he's the former Australian national kendo coach, which is Japanese sword fighting. And he's still coaching today down in Tasmania, both in the dojo and in the business world. Uh, thank you so much, everybody, for listening to The Coaching Podcast. My name's Emma Doyle, and I'm a global speaker and performance coach helping you unleash your potential. My website is emmadoyle.com.au. Thanks also to Simon Blair for this opportunity to bring you this fantastic episode. We hope you enjoyed it as much as we did talking about it.